This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Fiverr Business. Fiverr connects your team with expert freelancers and provides a powerful workspace to manage all of your projects and budgets more efficiently. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jance and my guest today is Janine Kernoff. She's a co-founder of the presentation company and co-author of a book we're going to talk about today, Everyday Business Storytelling. Create, simplify, and adapt a visual narrative for any audience. So Janine, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So business storytelling, is business storytelling different than just I don't know, regular storytelling? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. It's this idea of taking the concepts of classic storytelling and then yeah. helping those of us in the business world apply it and make it practical and relevant and actually something we can use. Yeah. So it's like storytelling, but for adults. So you have a framework that we're going to talk about a little bit today, but you also do spend a lot of time focused on presentation decks and the typical sort of tools of making presentations. But I want to pick on this idea just a little bit is that I can't talk to a marketer right now that doesn't talk about storytelling as like what we have to do. So tell me, why is everybody talking, telling us to tell stories? I think because we're living in a really noisy time. Yeah, we're marketed yeah. to, and there's just a lot of messaging coming our way. And storytelling helps us break through. It helps us be heard. And I think there's something about it that's also very authentic, right? Because in order to craft a narrative, you really have to walk in your audience's shoes because the best stories aren't about you. They're about them. And so in order to craft the right story, you really do need to understand who you're crafting the narrative for. So that's where the authenticity comes in and the relevancy so I think just breaking through, being heard, yeah. and um, being relatable. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, when I started talking to marketers 25, 30 years ago, or business owners uh, under the umbrella of marketing, telling them that, that they should talk about themselves and what they've overcome. is And, and that was very almost taboo. I mean, it was like, no, nobody cares about my story. They want our stuff and what it'll do for them. But now uh, it's come full circle, I think, in a lot of ways in that you really you really can't do much for, as a marketer without actually engaging people in some form of a story. Yeah. And I think you see that with some of the best brands too, those that are telling stories, being authentic and leading with their values and their mission. Right. Those are the the brands that are standing out to a lot of right. us these days because it is that authentic storytelling at play. So a lot of people, I think probably have the assumption, okay, I need to tell a good story. And so they start thinking about how they tell a story, but you actually have a very almost scientific brain driven kind of framework to it. So do you want to, have you figured out a good way to, an easy way to, to simply, uh, simply unpack that? Yeah. Yeah. So we call it the four signposts of a great story. It's classic storytelling. We didn't make this up, but what I think where I think our book is really resonating with so many folks, it's now an Amazon bestseller is that you take something so simple and even familiar to all of us, but then seeing how it shows up in our business life, seeing how it shows up in an email or a one pager or a presentation mm -hmm. deck or a set of slides. I think that's where it's starting to really resonate with folks and catch on. But at the core, we call it the four signposts of a great story, setting characters, conflict resolution. 
And it's all over the book. You know this. Mm -hmm. Uh, We start with it. We layer on. And then we have to flex it, right? Because sometimes we don't always get to tell our story in order. Sometimes our audience is running late and you thought you had 30 minutes. Now you have five. Or my favorite is when your boss says, just send me three slides. How are you supposed to tell a story in three slides? So the framework is there to anchor the way you organize your data and insights and and get the narrative out. But then we have to be flexible as storytellers in business to to zig and zag based on reality. So, So of those three, settings, characters, conflict, what's the one people screw up the most? Well, there's four. Resolution. That's the one they screw up the most, actually. (laughs) They start with it first. We love, especially salespeople who are in a hurry, we love to start with resolution because we get our mind. Is that the close, you mean? No, you would think. So the four signposts, there's more to this. We layer on a big idea. But the resolution is usually where we get to talk about ourselves your solution, your product, Mm -hmm. the timeline. It's just the bulkier part of a story. And I don't mean to throw salespeople under the bus, but they're usually in a hurry. They usually want to net it out. So they think they're actually helping their customer or prospect by just getting to the point. But when we talk about ourselves first, there's no reason to care. Your audience is, oh my gosh, you're dumping on me. And I don't know if I need your product. So that's why the first three signposts are key. They can go in any order. They can be verbal. They can be visual. They can take 30 seconds or 30 minutes, but we need a why. And that's what the setting characters and conflicts gives the audience is a reason to lean in and say, Okay, you've got my attention. Tell me more. Okay, this is probably going to be hard to do on the fly, but can you give me an example of setting character conflict? Yeah, there's so many in the book. And I should also mention that beyond when we introduce conflict, people get uncomfortable. Yeah. Your audiences. And so in order to get from conflict to resolution, we need something called a big idea. And we have mm-hmm. chapters in the book where we talk about this idea of what is the big idea and how do you craft it? Gosh, there's, yes, you are putting me on the spot, but it's all right. good. So for me, setting in characters, one story that comes to mind is a story I worked on years ago, but it opened with the way we're working isn't working. Mm. And it was like such a powerful headline. I still remember it. Mm-hmm. And the visual was like a very busy office environment when we all used to work in offices with like potato chip bags emptied and Red Bull. <laughs> and it just, it looked like, wow, we're really working a lot. And then there was like, some overlay text, which was like, we're always on, we're always trying to strive to be our best. We're always just this constant feeling of it's not working. And then it was backed by data and it continued. So the setting and characters of this story was like punctuated by data, which we love. We love when data is wrapped in story. What we don't love is when data is dumped on us as an audience and it's the fire hose. So we talk a lot about that. But from there, we have to move into a big idea, which gives your audience a mental bridge coming out of conflict, which can often be a little uncomfortable. And we need that mental bridge to then get to the resolution, which is usually the, here's how we're going to save the day. Here's how we're going to work better and more efficiently and not have the burnout and all those things. But having that one thing, that one big idea really helps anchor the conversation. And I think it also gives you flexibility as a speaker because you can zig and zag based on what your audience needs and their timing rather than your agenda to get through. Like I got to get through on my signposts because sometimes you're not going to go in order. Yeah. Yeah. So what role, try to figure out the best way to ask this. So the story is obviously important. What role does the storyteller play? Yeah, I I like that question because I think a lot of us, when we think storytelling, we think it's, it starts with the storyteller 
And oftentimes people will say, so do you mean I should tell stories when I get up and do a presentation? And I say, you can. The way we look at it is you can put yourself in the story. You can be a character in your own narrative, but it's still got to be organized with that story flow, the setting characters, conflict resolution. So if it is a personal story about you and that story is relevant and on theme and on message to whatever that business story you need to talk about, great, go for it. But if it's just a story to tell a story, I, I, I always caution, like, is that because someone's trying to check a box and say, I've been told to be a storyteller. Right. So for me, it's not necessarily always about the storyteller. It's about the narrative you're trying to build, because sometimes in business, we're not the storyteller. We are handing off our stories and by stories, presentations, emails, we're not always, we don't get the privilege of getting to deliver the story. And so being able to organize it around these signposts, having a clear why, what, and how, a big idea anchored by headlines, all of this I'm listing off, but these are like these ingredients that make up the recipe. And so, yes, you can ultimately deliver the story, but you don't have to. And that's, I would say more often in business in the kinds of business communications that we're seeing, most people aren't always the storytellers. They are, they're just doing a product update or a yeah. QBR. Like it's the not sexy, it's that kind of stuff. So yes. do you, I'm sure you get this sometimes, this question sometimes, do you always need conflict? Yes, always. So do conflict you have to create conflict? Do you have to create conflict? Oh, yeah, when it no, it's a exist? great question. Yeah, yeah. So this <laughs> comes up a lot. There's actually a whole chapter. I'm trying to remember from the train our table of contents. Uh, yeah, chapter 11. We talk about providing an update because this shows up a lot when we're doing updates, program yeah. updates, product updates. Yeah, sometimes there isn't conflict, and so in that chapter we actually explain like if you have conflict, great, congratulations, carry on and use this baseline story structure. If you don't have conflict, you've got to make a choice. It's a fork in the road. And at that point, you need to decide, do I need a meeting to communicate this? Or can it be communicated mm -hmm. over email or in yes. the cloud or something to say, look, everything's on track. All is, I don't need to waste your time with a meeting to tell you this. If you are wanting to be a little more strategic than that, and that's, it's not, it's, I don't want to label it like it's good or bad, but there are opportunities where sometimes the conflict isn't as obvious and that's where you got to go find it. Yeah. And we do offer up solutions on like, how do you find your conflict? Sometimes it's simple as call that customer or audience that you're presenting to and brainstorm ahead of time, mm -hmm. dig in, vet, make sure like, is this the conflict as you see it? Or is there something I'm missing? Sometimes in certain meetings that are appropriate, we are almost real time developing the conflict. I might come and, and, and share, here's the update and whatnot. And then I open it up to the audience to say, what am mm -hmm. I missing? What other red flags are out there that I haven't thought about? So I'm not trying to know it all. I'm not trying to have it all perfectly mapped out, but I owe it to that audience then to follow up, right? And gather the insights that get captured and then, then present the conflict perhaps in a roll up afterwards. So yeah, sometimes it can be tricky. I think the best stories, John, are iterative and collaborative. I yeah. think if you do this in a vacuum, in a silo, it's really hard. So for me, the best stories are when we, we share ideas, we vet, we iterate, and you start to get really clear on that conflict. And now let's hear a word from our sponsor, Fiverr Business. Fiverr connects your team with freelancers, high quality services on a budget. These are curated top providers, over 500 categories that have already been vetted for quality and experience. 
you've got tools to create projects, approve budgets, manage your freelancers. There's payment protection. You can count on transparent pricing and payment approval that gives you the last word every time. And when you sign up, you get a designated business success manager to make sure that you are getting your projects matched with the right talent. Sign up for free today at Fiverr.com. So let's talk about slide decks. I guess let's start with what are the, just like when you're giving people advice on what they should and shouldn't do in their slide decks, what are like the five things you go, never do this? The first thing I say is don't start in PowerPoint, like visuals second, story first. Yeah. yeah. Story first. You know, your visuals, as I say, are like the backup dancer, right? Like they're, they're in the background, do up, do up. I think a lot of us do fall prey. We open PowerPoint or Keynote or Google yeah. Slides and because we're looking for the quick fix. We're in a hurry. I get it. I've been there. But when we do that, it is so easy to lose sight of those narratives, like the, the mm -hmm. signposts. Like you're not thinking, do I have a big idea? Do I have conflict? You're thinking, I really like this chart. And I saw that John had this other chart with some really cool animation. Can I borrow that, John? And mm -hmm. we have completely, we have moved off the reservation. We are no longer talking about story narrative. So that's my first advice is story first, visual second. Mm -hmm. And whether you're starting a story from scratch and by story, often it's a presentation in the business world or an email or one piece. I always try to stay true to those stay true to the signposts and I'll write them down. Sometimes I will sketch it out on post-its, high level, write my headlines. I'll voice memo into my phone sometimes if I'm on the go and I'm like, I just want to get this out. What's my setting? What's my, my, my characters? And then from there, yes, there are some guidelines around visuals, what not to do. And we actually have a whole chapter in the book where, you know, five well-tested ways to visualize your story because just like when we overload with text, because I know everybody knows, don't, don't bombard me with bullets and data dumping, but equally too many photos, too many icons that like, can get overwhelming. So there yeah. is a balance yeah. and it's just about having some mindfulness around visual choices that you make to bring your story alive. Yeah. Do you see significant differences in say a 10 person meeting where we're all sitting around looking at it as opposed to a 5,000 person <laughs> presentation as opposed to virtual mm. on Zoom? Or do you see significant differences in the need for, even if the story is the same, the need for how it's presented? I think the need now for storytelling is even greater, especially yeah. as we move into this hybrid work environment, right? Where now mm -hmm. we're going to have some people in the room and some people virtual. Right. And so the need to be mm -hmm. heard, the need to break through, the need to be authentic and create trust and connection is greater than ever. And so I think storytelling is really so relevant right now, uh, especially in our business lives. It has been forever, but it's really, I think, becoming critical. I think we saw that also this past year, right? With sure. virtual meetings right. becoming right. so normal. We've been delivering virtual meetings and training companies on how to deliver virtual meetings for, I mean, since 2004. So yeah. when the pandemic hit and everybody went virtual, I was like, welcome. We've been doing this for a while. But the interesting thing is at the core, I think storytelling is about creating a two-way dialogue. And so if you give yourself permission to create that dialogue with your audience and you can, there's some visual tricks that you can do to engage and, and get people interacting. I think that's where the magic is because yeah. these one-way communications don't leave anyone happy, including yeah. the storyteller. It's yeah. very one note. So I think you have to choreograph 
for lack of a better word, the interaction that you want, the engagement mm -hmm. that you want, because people don't naturally know what to do. They need to be told yeah. and they need to be shown. And so with virtual meetings, with hybrid meetings, we talk about planning the interaction and of adding it into your story. So you still have your signposts, but on top of that, there's moments of pause to check yeah. in, whether it's launching a QR code for a poll or a quick chat in, you know, the chat dialogues. There's so many ways to interact yeah. virtually and there's all these amazing tools and apps now that make it happen. So I think if you're anchored by a good narrative, then yeah. all the whistles and bells of the virtual tools are the, the gravy on top. Yeah. I, I certainly noticed one of the biggest shifts for me going from the stage to uh, presenting to audiences through this technology was the major shift for me was when you're on stage, you're one person talking to 500 or whatever it is. When you're in one of these have present, you're basically one person talking to one person and one person and one person. And mm -hmm. that, that I think took a lot of speakers some time to get used to the, the shift because you're now the same, you're basically on par with them. You're the same size as them almost as opposed to being the, in the spotlight. And that to me was the biggest immediate sort of feeling uh, need to shift to the whole style. So we've talked about uh, slide decks for the most part, but you go into, as you've already alluded to, emails and all kinds of, in your world, does every communication verge on being a presentation? No. And I want to say this framework, as we talk about in our book, you can use it across a variety of modalities. I mm -hmm. use it on my kids. It's just about, it's an, or it's a framework to organize your ideas and your data. Yeah, That's yeah, all it is. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. How you deliver that message, whether it's verbal, visual, a PowerPoint, a one page or an email, like that's up to you, but the same principles apply. I use it when I develop a speech that has no visuals. Although usually I like visuals because I do a little support. There's something mm -hmm. powerful about visuals and a great story. But the, at the essence, yeah. But when we have a whole chapter on email. It's, a, it's been really popular in, in the news lately because we've been putting out some great content with Harvard Business Review and FASCO. And the email one's really catching on. And it's so, it seems so simple to a lot of us. But even just having a big idea in your subject, most of right. us have really vague passive headings in the subject, like update, meeting mm -hmm. update. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what meeting? What update? Yeah, what do I yeah, need to know yeah, or do? I am yeah. going to glaze over that in my inbox. I'm going to go to yeah. the next one. Yeah. So I think at the end of the day, it comes down to not making it hard on your audience to decode and making it easy for them to scan and quickly know, okay, this is what I need to know. This is what I need to do because we're all moving so fast. Yeah. yeah, there's nothing worse than that long non-paragraphed email that you get uh, that, yeah. that you're like, I just can't even, I just no. can't even look at that right now. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, like all of this has been, we have just been students of our own practice. We work with some amazing brands and we have over the years from Apple yeah. to Facebook, Microsoft, and they're tough cookies. These are not brands that they expect a lot. And just being able to work with senior leaders at some of these really big enterprise companies you can see which emails get lost, don't yeah, yeah. get responded to, and others where you're like, whoa, how did they respond so quickly? I had a clear why, what, and how. Yeah. I used those signposts. I had a big idea in that subject line. I had a clear ask. Now, I am not suggesting that we need to apply this to every email we write. No, that's going to drive you crazy. But the high stakes emails, the ones where a response matters, yeah. and you're really trying to show up and tell a story, 
that's when I'd put the time in and it pays off. I've seen it. I see it myself and I see it with our teams and, and customers. One of my favorite parts of the book, and I suspect there's a lot of people that learn through this uh, ma- method is all of your what's not working. Where you, they, <laughs> yeah. Basically, you took decks and took them apart and said, here's why this doesn't work. And then you made fixes, which to me, that the, those handful of pages are worth the price of the book. Thank just you. because I think I think most people learn that way as opposed to just, oh, you need to do this. Just, you know, show me an example of what's good, what's mm-hmm. bad. So Janine, tell people where they can find out more about your guys' work and obviously the, the book, Everyday Business Yeah. So it's called Everyday Business Storytelling. You can find it on Amazon. You can actually go to everydaybusinessstorytelling.com. We have a sort of a splash page there where you can read more about the book, check out the table of contents, see the press that we're getting. You can find me on LinkedIn, Janine Kernoff, and then you can also find me on our website. The present yeah. It's presentation-company.com. So lots of ways to stay in touch. And I would certainly love to do so with and, your listeners. And I would also add that there is a companion course if you're uh, an overachiever and you want to really dig in <laughs> dig into this and get some training uh, yes we have an on-demand stuff. everyday business storytelling course that's self-paced yeah. and you get access to a bunch of videos and downloads and resources and a tool called our, our story planner that helps you organize your ideas and data into this headline format using mm-hmm. the signpost so it takes the book into more of a even more of a practice yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Janine, it was great uh, catching up with you. I appreciate you stopping by the Duct Tape Marketing uh, Podcast and hopefully uh, we'll see see each other uh, someday in real life out there on the road. Thank you so much for having me. All right. That wraps up another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. Feel free to share this show. Feel free to give us reviews. You know, we love those things. Also, did you know that we had created training marketing training for your team. If you've got employees, if you've got a staff member that wants to learn a marketing system, how to install that marketing system in your business, check it out. It's called the Certified Marketing Manager Program from Duct Tape Marketing. You can find it at ducttapemarketing.com and just scroll down a little and find that tab that says training for your team.